Hey, how's it going? This is Cathode Ray Mission. I'm Randy Heyer coming to you from Oklahoma City. And in Berkeley, California, we got Will Scoville. Hey, hey. Hey, how's it going? I'm all right. How are you, Randy? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, tonight, we're reviewing two movies. We got William Friedkin's um, Killer Joe from 2011. And then also from 2011, maybe? I think 20. Um, we should have researched we'll, that before we'll, we started we will. recording. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll look into that. But some movie from around that time, Michelle Gondry's The Green Hornet. 2011. Same year. Same year. What a beautiful year for movies. So tonight we're going to review two 2011 classics. Um, but before that, we wanted to give a shout out to our lo respective local theaters. I'm going to hand it over to Will for a second. We'll talk about that. Yeah, during the lockdown, I know uh, a lot of um, independent businesses are struggling, especially independent businesses. Uh, uh, movie theaters. Uh, so a lot of them have kind of partnered up and with distributors and have been doing virtual screenings where you buy a ticket as you would at the movie theater, but then uh, you get to stream the movie at home uh, directly from the distributor. And then 50% of your uh, ticket that you buy goes to your local independent theater. So um, a lot of theaters are doing this. So if there's some place locally that you like to go to, if it's independently run, they may be participating in this and you might want to go ask them. So uh, just as a couple of uh, starting points, uh, both Randy and I have uh, local theaters that are participating and we want to give them a shout out. Uh, for me in San Francisco, the Roxy Theater is a great uh, movie theater. It's an iconic uh, little independent movie theater. I've seen a lot of great movies there. Um, I've done a few shows there. <laughs> Um, my other podcast, SupDoc, has recorded uh, a live event there, um, and it's a really cool space. And um, if you go to Roxy.com, you can totally buy a ticket there for a movie that they're screening, watch it at home, uh, enjoy it, and uh, you know, knowing that 50% of the money that you're uh, using is going directly to the Roxy to help keep them funded through this uh, whole crisis. And if you're in OKC, Randy, you've got another theater. Uh, yeah, the similarly. Yeah, I have a theater, and I actually work. Well, I don't work there now because obviously they're not open. But when they reopen, I will probably continue to go back to work there. Uh, Rodeo Cinema on, in Southside Oklahoma City. It's in Stockyard City, which is actually more like a district, more like a, a block <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> but... um. It's, uh, it's located there in an old theater that's been recently refurbished. It opened in 2000, reopened in 2018. And it's the sister theater to um, Tulsa's Circle Cinema, which is also a great theater that's also doing this, too. I might as well mention. But, uh, yeah, we've done lots of cool stuff there. We had Anthony Michael Hall come do a Q&A for 16 Candles oh, and that's, Breakfast that's Club cool. and shit. Yeah, he was a super, super, like, nice dude and shit. He's actually, like, really fucking tall, which oh, really? blew my mind. Yeah, he's like, I'm 6'2", and I think he maybe was a little bit taller than me. I always I always forget that when I see you. Like, I saw you last year, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Randy's fucking, like, a tall dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, okie normal, though, I feel like. I don't know. You know I, I, I feel like. 
I don't know. I'm like a lot of people around my my height around here, but well, I'm I'm five eight, which means I'm actually five seven. So mm. to me, I don't know. I feel normal. I'm taller. Like on 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 my wife's side of the family, I'm the tallest person there, which is always it's weird. <laughs> it's weird being the tallest person. That's uh, cool. I mean, part of me does envy you and i wish i was also a short king but you know because sometimes i just feel i feel I'm like not sh- i'm not short i'm average <laughs> <That's the thing. laughs> sometimes i just feel i feel like clunky you know oh, I feel like i do feel big in my body sometimes for sure like, uh, i mean i got another friend who's like six five so it's like oh yeah i mean i, I know i'm not six two is nothing you know and then he he just got married and his wife is like six foot two. So like both he and his wife are taller than me. <laughs> um, damn, we got fucking derailed. Where, <laughs> where, where, where were we at? Uh, oh, I was talking about movie I was theaters. talking about rodeo cinema. Yeah, yeah where, where can anyway, you find rodeo cinema? Yeah, you can find rodeo cinema at rodeocinema.org. And obviously on all social media, if you need to go there to find the website. But yeah, rodeocinema.org. And they're participating in this program. I when this comes out, I'll have no idea what they're showing, but they're doing the same thing where yeah, if you pay, I think it's like twenty bucks, but they're like movies that technically are brand new, that would have been theatrical, you know, and half of it goes to the theater. It's like it's just a good way to support, especially the theaters, like what Will was talking about, the Roxy and Rodeo, Rodeo is like a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and it's the only art house theater in Oklahoma City. It's important that we have it. Uh, Will know. Will lived here for a long time. Yeah. And Will knows that we have the art museum and this theater, and that's it, pretty much. Yeah. This theater is pretty new, so it's just important, you know. And they're showing cool stuff. My friend uh, Matt is a programmer, and he always picks interesting stuff to show, and like whatever they're offering. It's good. You should go check it out. Yeah. Participate. I, I, you know, growing up there, it was really hard to get, um, to see a movie in a theater. Um, and you'd have to wait for it to come out on rental to see something that you heard about. Um, and it's just, you know, moving to the Bay area and getting to do that, you know, for the first time, see a, a first run kind of like, um, you know, I want to say a lower interest movie. So it's not a big blockbuster that would come through OKC. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might come to the art, to the art museum for a day, um, gets like a two week run in the Bay area and being able to just kind of like pick up and go see it in the afternoon was right. very cool. And it, I'm seeing more of that come to like, OKC, and that's really cool. And so rodeo is great. And then you also do, uh, back when we could go out the, your Mondo Mondays with, uh, Lucas, uh, which is also very cool. That's uh, true. Oh, yeah. I should. Yeah. I mean, Tower, they're not doing this, though, I don't think. Because they don't show new movies and stuff. They're like no. more of a. Tower is like a venue slash yeah. repertory where they show old movies and stuff. But, but Tower. It, it's stuff like that that like didn't happen when I was or uh, happened as, as frequently when I was living there as I, it feels like they're doing that. Oh, uh, God. A little this bit is more all now. Just recent. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I've been living here for about 20 years or so. Almost. And, uh, yeah, it's, this is a lot has changed for the better, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, we got to do what we can now for the theaters so they can stay open and yeah. we can go enjoy them, you know, yeah. this is all over. Yeah. 
But um, well, cool. So. Anyway, uh, now so we got a preface. <laughs> a preface, just like if last, you week. To last week's episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you listen to last week, you'll know a little bit about what we're about to say. But uh, just like last week, we are dealing with a movie that has scenes of strong sexual violence, and we wanted to give a trigger warning just at the top of the episode. Um, you know, just in case anyone else, uh, you know, you don't want to listen to that. That's fine. We, we respect that. Right. And we want to give you a warning up top before we kind of get into it. Cause we will be talking about it. So if you want to skip over the review of killer Joe and kind of go straight to the green Hornet, which is a little bit more, uh, general audience, then check out the show notes. There's going to be a time code in there. I don't know if it'll be exact, but it'll get you close enough where you can skip the review of Killer Joe and go straight to the Green Hornet if you don't want to hear us review uh, anything about um, the content of that movie. So um, likewise, if you ever hear anything, if you would rather not hear it, if you think there should have been a warning, let us know. Um, Please don't get mad at us. We're really trying. But let us know, and we will take that into consideration going forward. We really want to make this inclusive for everyone, and we don't want to... um, we don't want to piss anyone off. I don't. I yeah. don't like. I don't like pissing people off. I don't that like, said, though, I do want to be able to choose challenging movies that I do consider this an adult podcast. Even absolutely, choose yeah. movies like John Carter or whatever that are for kids. Yeah, you know, I want to be able to go there and I want to do movies like this. Yeah, and you know? and and I, I, I will say that we won't we won't be like dickheads about it. No, We're make, yeah, make joke jokes about this. The content or whatever. And we may get a director, a movie with a director or a star in it eventually that may have someone who's controversial or has been canceled or whatever. I want you to know that, um, you know, just because we're reviewing or viewing a movie does not mean we necessarily endorse that person completely. So um, there is a, an argument to be made about uh, promoting that kind of content for someone who has certain views. And I do understand that. And I, and I don't want to speak for you, Randy, but um I do understand that, uh, definitely. And if anyone has an issue with it, please get in contact with us. We'll, we'll make a remark on the show. Um, and we will not be dickheads. I promise. So, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) for sure. But, you know, just like with us, Killer Joe is Friedkin. And I think we can, we can trust Friedkin. We can. Yeah. I mean, we, we're talking Friedkin. We're talking the exorcist. We're talking, uh, you know, French connection. Cruising, uh, sorcerer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're we're talking about a very well known, very respected director, kind of taking on this very interesting movie. Yeah. Um, which I remember so, coming out and but never saw. Yeah. Until now. um, I did catch it. I caught the final showing. I had never. It was a dream of mine. This movie is rated NC seventeen, and I think it. As far as I know, this is one of the the newest movies. There's probably actually it's from like 11, 2011. So there's maybe something between here and like Blue is the Warmest Color was maybe officially rated NC-17, but this was theatrically released with that rating, which is very rare. And it mm-hmm. just was kind of a dream of mine to see an, a real NC-17 movie in theater. You know, you catch it while you can if it actually ever happens. There's like the only a few. There's like. Yeah, 20, maybe. Yeah, it's very rare. And then I remember, I don't know if it, what the deal is anymore, but um, when I was living in o- Oklahoma, you could not, the Oklahoman would not run ads for NC-17 movies. So if you're a theater that you could not run, that that movie was showing, 
Um, so it was not really in the best interest of a theater to run a movie like that. But also the NC-17 would also generate its own promotion and people who wanted to see it would know about it. And so... And it got rave reviews. I mean, the marketing was good for this movie. Yeah. It is a total, like... It's got a good really, cast on it. Truly it, not for everyone. It, no. It's like, it's a star city. Like, everyone's famous, Yeah, pretty much. Except the crime boss guy. I don't recognize <laughs> him, but no. I love that character. That, he was great. Anyway, should we just get into it? Yeah, then? let's get into it. Okay, so... This movie is uh, William Friedkin directing um, a play. It's very much a filmed play, but I personally, I love that. And um, actually, that's Friedkin's roots. He did a Pinker um, play. What's that movie called? The Birthday Game or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We might need to edit that out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of his early movies are plays and stuff, and uh, his final two, maybe his final two movies, he's still alive, but he's a very old man. I think he's all but retired, basically. He uh, adapted two Tracy Letts plays, which Tracy Letts is a renowned playwright who's mm-hmm. actually from Oklahoma. He wrote August Osage County, which I personally love. Really? I mean, that movie, that movie means a lot to me. Because I know you're from Oklahoma, too. And, you know, like when you have a there's a movie that's even about Oklahoma or set in Oklahoma. I mean, I'm sure you maybe felt this way. You're saying you watched Near Dark the other day. Mm-hmm. Like, Near Dark is a revelation to me. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this is basically set where I live. Yeah. You know, I filmed a little bit where I live, mostly in like New Mexico and Arizona or wherever they filmed it. But you know what I mean? Um, well, there's that feeling but, whenever you get an Oklahoma reference or something and they totally get it wrong or right um it's they it's like oh well it's texas is close enough it's arkansas or kansas is close enough and it is not it is like when you when you see it you know it you know it's kind of that type of deal it's its own thing and this kind of like reeked of it. it i mean even though it was in texas it definitely had north texas dallas i-35 corridor feeling uh-huh. to it although this was filmed entirely in louisiana oh was it really <laughs> yes but they did they did a very good job of that but yeah anyway just to complete my thought about yeah august issues county is like it's a great movie and bug he made with freaking mm-hmm. august issues county has nothing to do with freaking but it's the same writer for all three movies bug is a great movie like a, it's like a crazy horror movie but it's kind of like about meth and stuff have you ever seen that movie i haven't seen that yet i know i know what it is though i know it like people talk about it um i remember when it came out too and i just never saw it so this it's just crazy to me because freaking he's got to be like 80 or something i don't know he's he's very old Mm -hmm. um and he's he's one of my favorite directors i think to me he is maybe my favorite of all the new Hollywood guys, maybe De Palma would edge him out. I mean, I love Martin Scorsese, and I love a lot of the like the lesser known, like uh, Bob Raffleson, and whatever. But I just think Friedkin is just, and like even like later on in the '80s and '90s, and uh, Audis and 
on, um, you know, even when, like, Hollywood was, like, less kind to him and he was kind of doing, like, for-hire-type movies, his style is so awesome and apparent <laughs> and stuff. And he just, he's a very, he's like a master of um, visual and audio, like, you know, like, wordless story. I don't know. He just does, he does a lot of, like, really interesting editing techniques mm -hmm. and stuff that you don't necessarily realize he's doing that's like sort of like an authorial type thing that he's doing but then when you watch all of his movies in a row it's like oh shit this is his his style is really intricate but mm -hmm. it's like it's subtle too I don't know it's and it's, yeah and I love William Freakin a lot and this is a masterpiece I think it's a great if this is his final movie, I think it's an excellent, wonderful movie for him to end on. Yeah, and I've, uh, it's, you know, I have not watched a whole lot of, of Freakin', and I haven't watched a lot of it in a row. So it's, and I, but I do know what you're talking about because I have done those runs of like a certain director where you kind of like watch a lot of stuff or take in a lot of content by the same creator and mm -hmm. really start to, you know, once you get, I don't know, like three or four pieces in, Mm -hmm. start to see like you know placing it in time and placing it in where they are in their career what they take from this thing and in, in transition into the next project mm -hmm. so i don't know how that connects didn't you know because i've seen maybe four of his movies in at different points in my life in weird order but i can definitely see what you're talking about and finding that that through line of their career yeah i mean and this is like i said a film to play and it is in these last two movies, Bug and this one, Killer Joe, he's, like, definitely making it more contained and small, and it's, like, kind of, like, these weird dramas between these mm -hmm. weird people, vicious bad people in this case. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, like, beating around the bush here. I just need to, like, jump into what Killer Joe is all about. <laughs> <laughs> Killer Joe begins with this... Like, 22-year-old burnout dude coming to his dad and stepmom's trailer, and his sister lives there, too. And basically, he's been kicked out of his mom's house because he threw her against the fridge, but he did it because she stole his cocaine money or his cocaine and didn't give him... He doesn't have the money, basically. He owes this weird redneck like mob boss like a th a couple thousand dollars yeah. basically or and the guy is like literally going to kill him yeah. if he doesn't pay him over like uh, it's like really like a few thousand dollars it's not yeah much. it's not it's not like a lot of money and um so this kid with his dad they go to a strip club and devise a plan to hire this guy that the kid has heard about He's at 22. You know, you know, yeah. it's Emil Hirsch, too. Anyway, and the dad is uh, Thomas Hayden Church from Wings and Damon Knight. I always think of him in, in Wings. Uh, that's like the first thing I think of. Me he's, too. I know he's, he's always a renowned old, actor man. now, but he's 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 Wings. Him, him in that jumpsuit and the hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. He's working on planes and shit. But um, they, uh, the, the, Emil Hirsch has heard about this this guy is a cop, but he also, as a side hustle, is a contract killer named Joe, Killer Joe. And they basically decide to hire this guy. But 
<laughs> they want to pay him afterwards because the whole reason they want him to kill his mom and Thomas Hayden Church's wife, ex-wife, is to collect her um, insurance, but they can't pay Killer Joe in advance. They're hoping that he'll kill her and then wait and they can pay him later. Yeah. And he's like, no, but I will take your sister as a retainer who's like, you don't really know how old she is. I think she's like seven, fifteen. I don't know, man. It's seventeen. It's creepy. It's Juno Temple who's playing. She's like twenty three in real life. And I don't. She made the movie. Really remember who she is? She had like a moment there, but I. She's fantastic because she's also she's British. Yeah. Which is insane because I you really she's very believably American in the movie. But anyway. Killer Joe's like, let me have that girl as retainer. And they're like, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And so then shit just gets out of control. And everything is very... gets very, very crazy. Yeah, it kind of falls apart pretty quickly. It, you know, it's... Um, I mean, it's it's a weird, dark comedy. like, And nothing necessarily goes right. Um, the whole plot that they that this is based on the whole reason for hiring Killer Joe in the first place ends up to be a complete misunderstanding if not just a trick to yeah we'll, we'll talk about it but just in yeah. case you don't want to don't stop right now and just watch the movie because yeah. we're going to talk about like just like plot twists and stuff yeah it um, yeah it, it turns out that uh all right, so the ex-wife is dating this other dude named Rex, and Rex is having an affair with uh, Gina Gershon, who is the wife, new wife of Thomas Hayden Church, who is the dad of Emile Hirsch and Juno Temple. So uh, Rex also tells Emile Hirsch about Killer Joe. So it turns out the whole plot is Rex's idea, but... Turns out Gina Gershon is having an affair with Rex, so the whole plot is really her idea. So not only is this her idea, but, like, the money that was going to be paid out is even higher than what they were told. It's twice. It's, it's like $100,000. It's $100,000. Yeah. And they were going to do this for $50,000? And they were going to give... Kill, kill my mom they were gonna for give $50,000? Joe, 20000 of that. 25000 of that. And then split <laughs> the rest of it up, like... And it, Immediately give that redneck guy like five grand or two grand or whatever it was. Yeah, it just they end up. I was like doing the math. I'm like they're getting like two thousand dollars from this. <laughs> like, oh <each>. my god! <clears throat> and it's not a lot of money. And it's just kind of like the whole thing about uh, the the hoops they're jumping through to to do this for such a little amount of money. It's not that. Do we mention that Killer Joe is Matthew McConaughey? It is Matthew McConaughey, like at the at the very top of the McConaughey's. Um, it's in the it's in the year. There's yeah. like a trilogy. The cowboy hat. In trilogy. my mind, yeah, dude. There's that and Bernie. I think they're the same year. Bernie, the Linklater movie mm. with Jack Black. That's a that's a great movie. movie. That's a fa- he's like he's to- so good in that movie too. He is good. Um, and Lincoln Lawyer, mm-hmm. which is an underrated 
good thriller. It's like it's like a John Grisham movie, but it's like not boring. <laughs> it's like a lot better than a John Grisham movie, actually. Yeah. Ryan Phillippe in a role he was born to play. Just like a rich asshole who's like a bad guy. Talking about the Lincoln Warrior. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Killer Joe. Yeah, McConaughey is straight. The cast. Okay, Gina Gershon. Great to see her be in a good movie. Yeah. I mean, she takes so much abuse. Yep. In this movie. Yeah, there, okay. there's. Should we get into that scene about when? It I comes, guess we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's like a play, like I mentioned before. So like, yeah. so much of this is dialogue. So yeah, I want to I want to say mention that right before we get into that is that there are a lot of long scenes in this with with multiple characters, like three or four characters. You know, in an eight minute scene, it's all dialogue, which is very different from a lot of movies you see. Now, you know, where it's just like get as much information out to move the plot forward to the next action scene as possible. Mm-hmm. And you can really tell the theatrical origins of this uh, movie, that it was a play yeah. before being made into a movie. But I, does that bother you? I love it, personally. I like it. Uh, it's, it's a nice change. Because I've always been a fan of uh, David Mamet and like all of his movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which are all like House of Games is extremely like could be performed on a stage. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was. I maybe I don't know. I know not all of his movies are actually theatrical first, but and uh, yeah. So I don't know. I I personally I thought it was great. There's this movie called Conspiracy that HBO Films made. Did you ever see that? I didn't see that one. What's that one? It's about it's about um, it's like um. They took these, they found these documents basically from this meeting that apparently took, like allegedly took place or they have like a small bit of information about this meeting that took place that decided the final solution and made this whole play kind of supposing what that meeting would have been. Oh, okay. And it has like Kenneth Branagh in it and Colin Firth and it's like a HBO, BBC co-production. It's very, extremely good. And it's a film, like a film to play. And then Sidney LeMay, of course, Death Trap, whatever. So, Lumet. I always want to call him LeMay. I know. It's Lumet, though. It actually is Lumet, right? God damn it. We're getting way. This is a shaggy dog of an episode, bro. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so Killer Joe in this long, drawn-out thing finally teases out the information. And you, the viewer, also slowly realize that Killer Joe knows a lot more because you see him pull this guy over, but you don't actually yeah. see what happens. Well, and you also see that he's wearing the same outfit that he was wearing when he showed up at uh, an apartment or something with Gina Gershon or a hotel room. So you're like, oh, that's Rex. Yes. That's the guy she's sleeping with. But basically, Joe... Over the course of a long monologue reveals that he knows everything. He's like a every step ahead of everyone and like brutally shuts down Gina Gershon in this like in a very crazy like we didn't really talk about this before, but there's like a long scene of him when the daughter is first given to him. Mm-hmm. That is 
unbelievably skin crawl. Like, I mean, yeah. take the scene from Cape Fear where he's like, maybe I'm the big bad wolf, you know, and he puts his finger in Juliet Lewis's mouth. Like, take that scene and elongate it and intensify it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what we got with that when they hook up or whatever yeah. happens. Like, I mean, it's, oh, my goodness. And then he just kind of, like, is living there. He's, like, naked in the house. Yeah. And stuff. Like, he's just... Was, and he, He's like a high-level police officer. Yeah, he's in, he's like out of the Dallas PD, and so. So anyway, he punches Gina Gershon like in the. It's like one of the most brutal punches I think ever caught on film. Honestly, it's, it's so shocking. And then he proceeds to like he holds um like a drumstick where like as crotch and makes her like suck on it a like, chicken drumstick not like a like, yeah and the scene is it's like it's like really fucking long yeah it takes a long like, time to get through and it's and he's just breaking her down yeah basically. and the there's this part where the husband's watching and he's all this has been revealed to him uh, all at once, you mm -hmm. know, that she was about to leave him. She's been cheating on him, all this money, and he's got her and him involved in all this murder or whatever, you know. Like, I mean, he chose to do it, but you know what I mean? It's like it's all been this situation contrived by his wife, basically. Mm -hmm. And so he's basically he kind of just lets Joe do this to her. But then after, a, like, a long stretch of this going on, there's this part where Joe is like, how you doing over there? And he's like, he just throws up. Yeah. He just, he just vomits. <laughs> and it's like, I was just like, yeah, that was like the appropriate response. Yeah. I mean, the movie is, and it was marketed aggressively as being like a hilarious comedy. I mean, uh, that's. I think they should let people judge for themselves. Honestly, it yeah. is darkly humorous, but even just sitting here talking about this scene, I, it's hard to say it out loud. It, like it, what happens? It's hard yeah. to to reconcile and say you should see this movie. And you know, I feel like you <laughs> rated NC seventeen for a reason. Yes, um, and it it. Do not be surprised when it happens and you tell people, okay, it's near the end. It's just like, just be ready for it and please feel free to turn it off too <laughs> if you don't yeah. want to see it because it, it is brutal. But It's very long. But, too. yeah. I mean, you do get like the comedy elements with like Digger, the Digger character, the the weird redneck mafia guy that we mentioned. Oh my God, yeah. He's I mean, so funny. it's all... It's extremely absurd. And actually, I read a rev I was doing a little research before we did this. Like, Matthew McConaughey thought that the reason it was going to be NC 17 was that they misinterpreted that th the daughter is 12 and said she's supposed to be like 18 or something. Uh. But like, through dialogue, he just like thought the dialogue wasn't clear. And I was like, that's not at all. It was like, no, because he was just like, well, the drumstick scene is like, that's like hyper reality or something. Like, you know, he was just like, it's so unreal yeah. and grotesque and insane at that point that he was yeah. like, that's like horror movie type stuff. So that should be okay. But it's like, no dude, this is like one of the most aggressively violent sexual things. And I mean, it's not like, 
it's not quite irreversible level, but it is like a little taste of what irreversible has to offer, I yeah. guess, in terms of brutality and what you see on screen. It is a drumstick, but it's, I mean, it's, it's fucking like, it's like rape. It's like treated it's, that way. Yeah. It's, um, and she's got like that bloody nose the whole time too. So it's like that much more disturbing as well. And he's acting like it's all real. And that's the other thing. Yes. And yes. So, I was like, is he coming in his pants? Is oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so So anyway, he tells them, he's like, So when your son comes in the door, you're gonna let you're gonna let me kill him, and if he he leaves, um, I'm gonna slaughter you all like pig. Yeah. And he is he is so fucking I mean, I can't stress enough. McConaughey is going for it so hard. Oh yeah. And I I got another movie to talk about in which he also went for it in a very similar fashion later. Um, but he's, he's so fucking scary in this movie. And that part when he's just like, I will slaughter you all like pigs. It's like, it's like, is so just fucking brutal and cold and like, whoa. So that's, that's pretty much almost exactly how that shit plays out. Emil Hirsch comes back. And then the parents hold him while Killer Joe just beats him to death with, like, a can of soup, basically. But then the daughter gets the gun and just she shoots Emil Hirsch and her dad. Yeah. And then the the final lines of the movie are, I'm going to have a baby or something. She's like, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, it's it's the announcement that she's having a baby. And then the kind of thing is like, wow, like... Yeah, he looks like he's about to cry. Like, he looks emotional. It's very disturbing. Yeah. His, the look on his face, he's like, we're going to have a baby? And her finger moves from outside. Like, her mo- finger moves onto the trigger, and it cuts. Yeah. And it's like, that's the end of the movie. And it cuts to the Clarence Carter song, oh Stroking. <laughs> who who when is it? was the last time you made Clarence Carter? Who is Clarence Carter? I don't know. I he... Clarence Carter is an amazing soul singer, musician. Um, he his one of his big older songs is "Slip Away." Okay, you slip away, slip away. You know that song. And like his, he's maybe my favorite, my favorite voice in all like soul music. I just, I fucking, I love Clarence Carter. But that is, that's from the eighties. Mm-hmm. He's his career's. Goes through phases mm-hmm. like anyone's does. You know, he's been around forever since the 60s. So that's from a different phase of his career that I am not as fond of. <laughs> but that's a fun song. I think that it may be his top played song, number two, Under Slip Away. But I mean, it definitely fit um, the scene. And it, and it snatching it back, patches. I mean, Clarence Carter, I, <laughs> I cannot recommend enough, honestly. A lot of good stuff. No, they're missing a lot of stuff on Spotify, but they got a lot of the real prime good stuff on there. Um, but it's a great ending. Do you think she shot Killer Joe? I hope I she don't know. Did. I hope she shot him right in the fucking face. Yeah, dude. but there's also the the weird idea that you know they kind of made their bed, now they have to sleep in it, and now he's going to be there forever. Yeah, or maybe she likes Killer Joe. Maybe, but I don't, I don't know. know. Because it seemed like she likes her brother, but then I was like, no, your brother sucks. Yeah. Your brother fucking, I mean, your stepmom contrived this situation, but your brother and your dad are stupid enough that they un, like 
unwittingly went along with his plan and thinking it was their own idea. Everybody is such a piece of shit. Yeah. Except the daughter. The daughter is the only, she's like a total victim. She's always trying to get out of it. And it's just kind of like, but also plays along with it to a certain extent as well. Um, I mean, she has no choice really, but she does, she does say like, yeah, it'd be okay if you killed mom or whatever. Right. She agrees to the plan. But then she also tells like a story about her mom trying to kill her when she's like, and not like an abortion, like put a pillow on her head and try to kill her. Yeah. So, uh, it's a crazy movie. It's, it's actually based on Tracy Wetz's first play. So this is sort of his Titus Andronicus, honestly. It's like over the top. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of it. It's very just kind of like hateful. It's like shock value. And it's grotesque. And, you know, it's not like August Osage County is more like a, a mature work. And I think Bug is too, honestly. Like, mm. But... I still think it's such a raw movie, and Friedkin, all of his movies really are about, I mean, by and large, I'm sure there's maybe an exception or two, but a lot of them, they deal with, uh, like, masculinity, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, and they deal with, uh, in, like, all of its form, and, like, a lot, um, primarily, like, in, in toxic forums and stuff like that. Mm. Like, I think, you know, because French Connection is about these two, like, racist cops, yeah. you know. Yeah. Sorcerer is about this, like, rogues gallery of murderers who take on this redemption mission yeah. to transport uh, explosives to a burning oil well. Um, and then Exorcist, of course. I mm-hmm. mean, on up to cruising. Uh, yeah, cruising. Hunt, the Hunted, Rules of Engagement, even. Dude, there's a shot in Rules of Engagement that will blow your fucking mind, <laughs> man. Tommy Lee Jones is walking through this hospital in Yemen, and it's all like, these people are like all fucked up and stuff, and it's like terrible, you know? It's like the horrors of war and shit. And he like walks out onto the street, and like... It pulls back. Like, it's just one of those shots where, like, you don't realize, like, how far away the camera is. And they do this, like, incredible pullback. Mm, yeah. And the whole, like, city is revealed and shit. And, like, this kid walk like, a goat walks in, across the frame and shit. It's just, like, the fucking timing and the light and everything. It's just, like, it's the composure is, like, wow. The hands of a master. Even though the movie is, like, a fucking, a, kind of a, like a... Uh, army drama yeah. with Samuel L. Jackson and <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones that maybe has questionable politics too but I just think he's a great he's a great great director yeah. I really, really it's, do enjoy him it's someone I'm, I'm like really interested in now and I definitely you know the, the few movies I've seen now of his especially this one I really want to go back and like kind of investigate him a little bit more because I've seen the big hits and that's kind of it and I definitely recommend checking out Bug, yeah. which is the other the movie right before this that he Tracy Letts is another play, and that actually stars uh, Ashley Judd and mm. uh, Michael Shannon. Oh, nice! And it's a great. It's just the two of them basically, with mm. like Harry Connick Jr. is like the third guy who's sort of in it. Like he comes in at one, one point, basically. He's like maybe four actors total or something. Mm. It's like a, a small 
small good movie. I think it takes place in Oklahoma, but it wasn't shot here. Yeah. But uh, it's about meth. It's kind of a horror movie, but ultimately it's kind of about meth addiction. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said, SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at Subdoc Podcast. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. Have you ever enjoyed a palaver? Is it good to be the dog's dinner? Who is this Bob, and why is he your uncle? For the answers to all these questions, you'll have to listen to our podcast, Boo to a Goose, breaking down British and American expressions and idioms. We use them, define them, and explain their history, all in a short, digestible format. So go ahead and check out Boo to a Goose wherever you get your podcasts. Cheerio! That means goodbye. Yeah. And... Yeah. Cool. It's good. So what would you rate this one? Uh, uh, I'm going to give this um, four stars. Four stars. I'm going to give it... No. Yeah, four. I'm going to give it four. I'm going to give it three and a half. I really enjoyed okay. it. Um, not great. Definitely questionable in some parts, but worth watching. I think I, I re- called it a masterpiece earlier, so maybe I should give it a higher rating, but <laughs> I just like... It's not a movie that I'm going to... It's a movie that is, you'll watch it a few times in your life, but you're never going to, you're not going to like The Exorcist or Sorcerer or even, dude, The Hunted is a late period. That's a master. I would rate full five stars. (laughs) Don't quote me on that. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I'm going to watch that. The The Hunted is fucking excellent, man. It's a total like blood sport situation where it's based on a true story. I'm Mm. doing the quotation marks in my hands, but... Uh, it's like highly questionable if this dude is like, he seems like just a total bullshitter, you know, his story of being like a badass, but it's uh, the hunted fucking rocks. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a good movie. Cool. For sure. Yeah, definitely worth checking out if you're, you know, up for a little bit of extreme stuff. Um, just be warned, but definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it is uh, a play. It is a I play mean, as not, well. It's not like full on. It has like a long scene of violence, but that's about it. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of violence in the movie. Yeah. There's a beating. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, cool. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to review The Green Hornet from 2011. Yeah. <laughs> the Green Hell Hornet. Yeah. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Creamery. What should we? We should 
our, our huge fan base. <laughs> Should we have a name? Maybe we're, not, maybe we're not at that stage no, yet. Probably not. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back, friends. It's me, Randy. Will's here with me, too. Hey. Hey. Uh, we're talking... We were just talking Killer Joe, but now we're going to... In some ways... In some ways... <laughs> Can't get a little lighter. In other way, I don't know. You could argue maybe that this is like a darker movie than Killer Joe overall. Oh, I don't, maybe. We'll, 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 we'll get into The Green Hornet, Michelle Gondry's The Green Hornet. Certainly a lesser work by him, but still a work. <laughs> yeah. And a readily accessible work. Too, so. It was just added to Netflix, and that's why I picked it. Um, it's hot on Netflix too. People are watching it, so yeah, yeah. I saw it in theaters. Did you? Had you seen it before? Yeah. No, I never seen it before. Oh, really? Yeah, and I just was like, I see it. I'm gonna pick it because it's like, man, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a roulette pick next, like a random. Sometimes, random one sometimes you Sunday. get surprised. I don't know. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, this is uh, Michelle Gondry's 2011 adaptation of the comic book character. And, you know, I guess he had a TV show, too, uh, Green Hornet. Uh, Holy shit. It's a radio thing. Is it a radio thing? Right. This is like straight up that shadow phantom bullshit that it's like, why? Who wanted this? Yeah. Well, I think the the big thing was that... um, the Green Hornet was not licensed necessarily to any big... It wasn't like Warner Brothers or Marvel. And in 2011, Marvel had already had at least one hit in their new kind of wave of... Uh, oh, of, for sure. Of movies. Uh, yeah, Iron Man came out in 20, uh, 2008. We were knee-deep in it at yeah. that point. Yeah. <coughs> and so... Waist deep. Uh, I don't even know what movie studio put this out, um, but you know it was just another jump on the superhero. Uh, you know, Sony put this out, so Sony, who owned, I guess, also Spider Man, still does. Um, we're trying to get you know hop onto another property, and they picked the Green Hornet, and for some reason they decided to to cast Seth Rogen. He wrote it. Did he write it? He and Evan, oh, and Goldberg, Evan Goldberg wrote, wrote it. it. Oh my god! What is this movie? Uh, and then Michelle so Gondry uh, from Eternal Sunshine and all the music videos you love so much uh, directed it with. N- oh, I do very- love the Let Forever Be video, The Chemical Brothers. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh man, that's a good one. How does it feel like? Yeah, that um, whooped ass. So this is this is coming off the uh, hot off the heels of. Uh, Eternal Sunshine, which was a pretty, uh, pretty big success for Michelle Gondry. Um, He's made a couple movies in between here and there. I he did. Think. He did uh, Science of Sleep, which was okay, and Be Kind Rewind, which had its own kind of um, fan base when it came out, and I have not heard about it much since. Either one of those wow. movies, um, but those are kind of both dripping with Gondry elements and green hornet surprisingly did not there are a few moments in here that i saw but overall it really it didn't they did the um let forever be thing happened where like in the action scenes it became all stylized like mm. he kicked him and it was like 
I don't know what you call that when like it, the like, motion is depicted through stacking of the same image, like over yeah. and over, like outward. Yeah. Like they do that in Left Forever B with the girl's face, mm -hmm. you know, and then like all the dancers or whatever. And like that happened when he kicked a guy who like he did but that. I don't know. You know that happened I mean? a couple times though. And it's like, it was so brief and I'm like, Oh, there it is. Oh, okay. Well, it's gone now. I know it was, it was filmed. It was weird, you know. It was. It's like, why? All right. We so, so rewinding. Tell the plot, but even, very quickly. It's just, yeah. Uh, Seth Rogen is the uh, son of a newspaper magnate, and um, he's you know a rich boy, and uh, his father is uh, dies suddenly, and he's left in charge of the newspaper and. Uh, he meets up uh, kind of by chance with his dad's driver slash uh, barista, Cato. Uh, and Cato also does everything. He's a bit like a Q on, on James Bond where he's got all these gadgets. He, built these, he builds these cars and, and weapons and shit. And uh, Seth Rogen gets it into his head that he's going to become a superhero after they go out and try to saw the head off of a statue of his father, uh, kind of in retaliation to something that happens to Seth Rogen's character as a kid. Uh, and they end up meeting some criminals, beating the shit out of them. And they're like, we could do this all the time. We could be superheroes. And yeah, they do. They, they go become superheroes. And <laughs> sure. And then meanwhile, uh, Christoph Waltz uh, is, I don't know, what does he do in this movie? He's a business guy who's also in the mob. <sighs> and he's trying to take over and it's really complicated. He's trying to find an image for himself and everyone says he's not scary. And yeah, they beat him at the end. And <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they graphically murder him. They do, yeah. The, the violence is insane yeah. in this movie. Oh, and also there's a subplot of uh, a politician who's who's getting unfair treatment, who's involved with Christoph Waltz, who was using the paper to get f good coverage, and it's the sheriff dude from from Stranger Things, right? Is that him? Is that the same guy? Yeah, David Harbour, yeah. and uh, also Cameron Diaz in the movie for, for some, some reason. reason. And hey, it's like, make Cameron Diaz the bad guy. That's what I thought. That's where I thought it was going. Like, don't I have her not be in the movie, but why? Um, it, the role it, she had. She's like, oh, I do the research, but only a little bit. And it, it's more about so... Uh, so just Seth Rogen can sexually harass her at work and then she rejects him and says no. And that's, that's her character. That's it. That's, and that's also all. Kato harasses her too, though. Yeah. They're both inappropriate. Yeah. And ultimately at the end, it's like, oh, we've been tricking you into giving us advice and you've kind of been running them. You are the, like unwittingly have been the mastermind of our plan of what we've been doing as Green Hornet and mm -hmm. the unnamed partner or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, it's fucking, I don't know. It's just one of those movies too. That's like about rich guys, you know, it's like getting Tom in trouble. Wilkinson is his dad. Tom Wilkinson is, why was he in this? He's wasted in this movie. Yeah. So I was like, 
he's not dead. He'll come back. And I've seen this before. I didn't remember, you know, I was like, I was just thinking that actor, why would they, why would they use him for this? It, God damn. It, yeah, it's just, it, um, I mean, there's not a whole lot I want to talk about, about it. Cause it's really, it was a hard to get through. It was like, <laughs> it's two hours. I was too. bored. I was really bored. And it didn't, it didn't need to be two hours long. No. And it's just a bunch of Seth Rogen fucking around, which in some context is fine. And you got a great, uh, uh, James Franco cameo at the very beginning. And, uh, that's, that was pretty fun. I remember in theaters thinking that was the funniest part. That was the funniest part of the movie. That was it. He's uh, like, my name is Danny Clear, and I sell crystal meth, so they call me Crystal Clear. <laughs> it's like, or something like It's just like, and he calls him Disco Santa Claus. It's just was, hit, letting him riff for like five minutes, and it's just like, it's, you can yeah. kind of turn the movie off after that. Um, and then, like, Eddie Furlong shows up at one point. Yeah. For a couple minutes. And There's some weird cameos. Yeah. Um, um, so. It is, I don't know, maybe the whole Cameron Diaz and what she serves, the purpose she serves in the movie and James Franco's <laughs> presence in the movie does date it, you know? It's, it's definitely right before, like, the Me Too movement, like, really fucking set off because I don't know it just there was something just kind of weird about this movie and it, it's very yeah. like Arthur at the beginning when he's like he's like a party boy and his butler wakes him up with coffee or whatever it's not his butler but he's woken up with coffee like Arthur yeah it's Seth Rogen it's 2011 it's like, man, we're not, we don't need to do this story anymore, <laughs> this kind of story anymore. Fuck it, this guy. It was, it was a very much by the book movie, or just like action movie. And, you know, if you watch like the, <sighs> the, the Lego movie, you're going to get the same storyline. You're going to get the same plot points. And it, it very yes. much felt like it, that they were just making it to make it. Or um, um, kick ass. Kick-Ass. I don't know. I actually enjoyed Kick-Ass a little bit more. I thought it Oof. it just, it had a lot more. Not me. Really? But I, w I will say of all the, like the bro, the new bro canon of like the oddies, kind of like the late oddies and the early teens, um, all that kind of bullshit, like shoot him up and fucking the movies we're talking about and all that shit. My favorite is Wanted. Oh Have really? You seen Wanted. I haven't. I was uh, I was at uh, the first WonderCon I ever went to. That was one of the hot movies. That and then Iron Man just, and Get Smart. It's perfectly tuned for me. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't have it doesn't have. It's not as like rapey and douchey as I feel like Shoot 'Em Up or Crank. The crank movies. I hate that. Sh I just hate that shit, man. Mm. And like, and this movie kind of ha was like it was sort of like the kids' version of that type of the way that. Yeah. But um, like so, wanted instead is like the dude is like an idiot and he has to like learn how to become an elite assassin. But Angelina Jolie trains him, and there's no like 
we fuck sexual component to it or anything. It's just sort of she's like kind of like a mother figure almost to him. And it's like it's that movie is so like cranked to 11, ridiculous and stupid. And it's based on the same guy. That's why I brought it up. Kick ass. Yeah. It's, it's the same. The comic books is the same person. Uh, Mark. Millar, I just think, yeah. I just, for me, Wanted is way more satisfying than Kick-Ass was. Yeah, so Mark Millar did both of the, he wrote the comic for both Wanted and Kick-Ass, and then also, like, The Kingsman, if you've ever seen those movies, or... Yeah, uh, I have. Old, those are in that, it's totally the, yeah. like, you know, and then, bro action, new bro action, and I don't then, know what you'd call it. Old Man Logan, which became Logan, the, the, yes. the weird... Uh, Wolverine movie that that's like the serious one yeah but someone was telling me about it and then they're like yeah part of it takes place in Oklahoma City and I'm like oh really and they're like yeah like Caesar's Palace and I'm like there's no Caesar's Palace in Oklahoma City and she's like well it's in the future I'm like there will definitely be a Caesar's Palace in Oklahoma City at some point oh yeah <laughs> it's an accurate prediction although clearly filmed in Albuquerque yeah there's a shot there's a shot where they're up high looking down on the city it's like you motherfuckers <laughs> like there's no there's no fucking like lookout peak here. It's like flat as fuck. Anytime they all say directions. Anytime they say Oklahoma and you look and you see brown dirt, I'm like, nope, nope. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> dude. Absolutely. Or, or green it, grass, green grass and brown dirt. It is like a long section of Logan does take place in Oklahoma. Mm. It doesn't look at all like Oklahoma. No, but whatever. Um. And well, I fuck that. I don't care about Logan. It's <laughs> fine. But someone told me that they liked Unforget or they liked Logan better than Unforgiven. Or Logan was like a better version of Unforgiven or something like that. I, it's a different version. Uh, it, it made my brain break, <laughs> honestly. I mean, I saw it. I well, thought they, it was they're fine. about different things, though. Yeah. Because like, it's not like Log- Logan doesn't like slowly become a violent monster again. No. You know. Deals out retribution like the fucking, <laughs> you know, I, death or whatever. I don't know. I will say of all the X-Men movies I've seen, uh, mm-hmm. I probably have not seen all of them, but it's the one that I kind of enjoyed the most. I just had the most fun watching it. Um, Which one? Logan? Logan, yeah. This one I yeah, I would, I would also say, to I like... Because I was honestly pretty excited when I was like, oh, it's just Wolverine and Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's pretty much boiling it down to the characters I like. Yeah. Unless Halle Berry wanted to just jump in the mix somehow, you know, um, or Jean Grey, I guess Phoenix at that point. But yeah, whatever. But, you know, I it is fine. I'm not a huge, all the comic book stuff, it is more, I'm... I'm a fan of movies and stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> movies first and then somewhere down there, the list cartoons, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> comics is way off. the. I never read. Com- I don't read comics, really. I've read some of the important masterpieces, yeah. you know, I mean, comic I, book literature, but I got into not read. I got into comics in my 30s based just because I was doing another podcast about comics and I just was reading a lot of them. And I found what I liked, you know, it's just, I never read them as a kid, but, you know, finding what you liked or finding a certain run or a certain writer that you like. And then I'm like, okay, that's how you read comics. You just don't, you know, pick it up. And like, uh, I got introduced to Astro City, which I think is a great uh, 
commentary on superheroes and mm. um it's a the, the first volume is really really interesting and talks about faith and religion and stuff in a really interesting way and, and through superheroes uh but then it doesn't also connect you to like that long the long fucking you know lineage of like well you got to know what happened in the in the 30s and then in the 80s and I'm like I don't I don't have time for that I don't have time to like <laughs> catch up um you know and and in in another way I got into wrestling and I still am kind of and it has the same mm-hmm. like long soap opera you know it's just a continuing story but the way they structure that right. you can just come in and, and at any time and, and get caught up more or less uh, but with comics, it's like a lot of times you have to know the whole history of it, and it's exhausting. Um, and to tie that back into the Green Hornet, I think bringing that character to the screen. It's don't stop making stuff based on shit from the 60s, dude. Yeah. Like, for it, real. It, Sorry, go I ahead. I mean, nobody, nobody was really asking for it, and then it was kind of forgotten, so it was easy to make and easy to reformat, but... You have this, and then you have a movie like, uh, uh, what was it, the, the Mystery Men? Um, oh my goodness! Which is based on a comic book, but does so well as a standalone movie, as its own thing. I love that movie. Like, I think really, I love that movie. Well, I think you gotta do that one, man, because I hated it. I've uh, only seen it one time. Really, I saw it twice in the theater. Man, the, take my mom to go see it. I watch it like once every couple of years. All Star, the Smash Mouth All Star video is like incorporates the characters from Mystery. Like, yeah, it, it, that's it's like, but yeah, see, I, if you I re- like that Shrek has been associated with that song now, so it gets taken away from Mystery Men, so it makes me enjoy Mystery Men more. But then if you watch, if you just look up All Star Smash Mouth video and watch it, it has Ben gonna, Stiller and Janine Garofalo. I'm not gonna look that up. Why am I gonna look that up? I don't know. It's one. It's Why? maybe. My least favorite song, or it just perfectly encapsulates what was bad about music in that time oh, yeah. for me, and I hate it. I mean, I just, that song comes in. gracious. Oh, my God, I hate it. That song comes in at the very end of the movie. You can turn it off before then. Fair enough, fair enough, fair it's, enough. It's, it Tom Waits is in that movie. It has a hell of a cast. It's great. Bob Macy's great in it. Um, I mean, Jeanine uh, Garofalo, like, what? Put her in fucking movies. Does she not want to be in movies? Or no, she's still doing I mean, her people thing. Are, people are just being dicks. She, she was in a lot of movies at one point, and then, then nothing. You know. But yeah. I love her as an actress. Well, she got minus man. She got caught Ooh. up in the uh, Copland. Uh, she got yeah. caught up in the anti-Bush movement of the early two thousands. The same thing that that got the. The Dixie Chicks kind of uh, pushed down a little, tamped down a little bit when they were. Yeah. So she was. I just feel like if I had money and I was making an indie movie or something, boy, howdy, I'd want Jenny Garofalo. I mean, she still movie. shows up and stuff, though. I mean. Yeah. She comes out to SF all the time. Uh, oh, yeah. For, for, for stand up. So she's still working. Um, anyway, Mystery Man. Mystery Man's good. I, I don't know. I, I like that. Did Ben Stiller direct the movie? No, it's a music video director, and he never he never did anything else again. But it's not McGee. No, it's not McGee. But like Jeffrey Rush is in that movie. He's great. Uh, Greg Kinnear is great in that movie. Uh, mm, Kinnear. Yeah, he'd be good. Yeah, um, it totally knew what it was. Was it was a parody of all that stuff. 
coming from. So you'd compare that to this, but you think it's a way better version. Much better movie. New. It wasn't just a cash grab. It was like, it was definitely trying to to, to be something. This is when Rogan was, he was so hot for a while, you know, and I was looking through his filmography. And it is just a bunch of duds, you know? It is movies that will be the equivalent of, like, Zaps or something that will be bargain bin, forgotten. USA, like, after in 10 years, completely forgotten, mm-hmm. you know? I think a lot of it probably is now. I don't know. I'm old, and I have a weird steel trap memory for weird stuff like that. But for kids, it's like, do people, kids care about Seth Rogen, A, is he mainly? Play? I think mainly Seth Rogen is kind of he's our guy. Yeah, you know, he's, he's he's making he's, stuff for us yeah. only. I think he's our age. I think the kids he's are into like between your and age. Yeah, Pete Davidson or whatever his name is. I think he's the new. Oh my goodness! So I don't even. Oh, I really don't know who that is. <laughs> no, I know. I I see him sometimes in my Twitter feed or something. A clip and. Or something, I don't know. My mom loves SNL, always has. And so she, it's funny, she knows all these people, you know. She watches them all the time. She's like, well, talking about Pete Davidson, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, SNL, I don't watch it, but I think good people still come out of it. I still like some of the people like. Oh, for sure. Um, What's her name? I mean, we don't need to. Yeah. We don't need to get political on this podcast, but um, who's the one who plays Warren? Oh, She's uh, so uh, Kate McKenna. Brilliant. Yes, she is. I saw her at a live show. I worked, day I worked at a live show before she got hired on that show, and I was like, holy shit, who is this person? She's great. And I'm like, she's going to be like way famous, and she was working on some mm-hmm. like deep cable TV show at the time. Brilliant, and that's another person that's like put – Put uh, her in more anything. Yeah. There's some stupid movie that I think Jared Hess is the Napoleon Dynamite yeah. guy. He made called Masterminds. And she is a small role in it. And just, it's so, her acting style is so bizarre and weird. And I don't know, she just runs away. with yeah. Every time she's on screen, the movie is excellent. Yeah. But it's not... She's not on screen a lot in the yeah. movie, but anyway. So the Green Hornet, I don't know. It's a. Uh, you want to you want to go ahead and and rate it? G G D. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go ahead and give it, cause okay, I didn't totally, I didn't totally hate this movie. Yeah. The thing I don't like about even like the fun. Um, Marvel movies until you get into Guardians of the Galaxy and then maybe like the newer Thor movie as we've discussed but almost everything else including Ant-Man which there's like long scenes about them talking about his like dead wife and stuff I'm like man shut the fuck up (laughs) what are we doing with this yeah like Honey I Shrunk the Kids is all about the kids get shrunk down (laughs) and then they're like in the lawn for the whole movie basically, you know, while Rick Moranis is like, Oh my God, what did I do? And like Ant-Man, it's like, he uses powers like barely. And then it's like, it's just so much like, there's like some jokes to it, but Mm -hmm. all these dramatic scenes, it's just like, 
I'm I'm dying. I hate, and I think the action is so monotonous. So mm-hmm. for me, this was a little bit a cut above some of the Marvel movies yeah. and stuff like that. Um, how many stars did you give that uh, this one? Um, so that said, but then again, I didn't really care for the movie. I don't know if its message is good. It when people they drive through an office building and stuff like that makes me so it's so stressful for me and the movie it's just so flippant about it. I don't know it's just I don't there's just something about the attitude of the movie that wasn't good maybe if they made this in the 80s or like the late 70s and like Chevy Chase was in it or something yeah I would like it but uh I give it two and a half stars okay I'm giving it two stars uh, so very close. Um, I didn't care for it. I didn't. Some of the action was cool. So I'm bumping it. I'm giving it two stars too, dude. Okay. I'm bumping it down. Um, you I'm know, matching you. We kind of we kind of mentioned some of the Gondry things in there that were very cool. That were very because you you forget that like Gondry created bullet time from the Matrix. That was all his thing. Um, so you get to see a little bit of that. Um, the kind of stacking weird effect, which was very cool. And then the other thing that he did in that Chibamato video where he had the two cameras and they kind of split. And this is the scene where they're getting word out that there's a, there's a price on the head of the green Hornet. Mm. Uh, it was mm. a very cool scene, uh, very short, but I thought it was I'm like, okay, there's Gondry doing that trick again um, and doing it very well and doing it, you know, even more than he did in that music video. Um, you know the one I'm talking about where it like goes split screen, yeah. and split screen, yeah, and split uh-huh. screen, and split screen, and yeah, yeah I, I, it was it was very well done. Uh, but other than that, there was just a lot of like goofing off that you know is fine in another in another Seth Rogen movie, but just not in this movie. And then the, uh, you know com- there's the action stuff that's going on. It's just kind of that was cool sometimes, but not enough. And the, Christoph Waltz, I didn't even I kept forgetting he was in the movie. <laughs> it was just like, and I I love him too. I do too. And the Tarantino movies, he stole both the movies he was in, mm-hmm. and he's in. Oh, what's that? Another filmed play movie, uh, Savages. Yeah, Not Savages. So like, I know what you're talking. Some movie, yeah, where like John C. Riley and like yeah, I want to say like Jodie Foster, but that's not that's not right. You know, know what I'm talking about. about. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good actor. Yeah. Not in this movie. It wasn't right. Um, well, cool. So what other things would you recommend uh, based on these two movies? <sighs> well, Killer Joe, I'm definitely going to recommend the other. Tracy Letts, Friedkin collaboration, of course, like I said. Um, uh, Bug. And then also, yeah, I love the Tracy Letts movie that August Osage County. I grew up... Um, like a quarter of a mile away from the county line. Mm. <laughs> I grew up in K County, but yeah, it takes place in Pahuska, which is very close to my hometown. We're going to get another uh, Pahuska movie coming out from Scorsese very soon. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is, um, so, yeah. And then actually there's a uh, Malik made a to the wonder is a Bartlesville movie. Oh, really? It's another K- uh, Osage County movie, uh-huh, with uh, Ben Affleck. And uh, I did not see that movie, so I can't tell you too much about it. But, um, yeah, uh, there goes 
There goes the there dog. There goes the dog. There goes the dog. So yeah, I think those movies, uh, just in terms of like filmed plays that are really good, I think uh, Sidney Lumet's uh, De- Death Trap is an excellent movie with uh, Michael Caine, Christopher Reeve, and the uh, other actor. I can never remember her name, but she's in some other movies. Sam. Uh, Equus is a very good movie. I don't know. You go. Uh, for Killer <laughs> Joe, I would I would go much lighter uh, with, but also a crime. Um, his, uh, uh, raising Arizona. Goose. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, raising Arizona is one, and then another Coen Brothers movie, a little bit darker, is Blood Simple, their first movie. Both uh, also kind of Southern fried crime movies, one more dramatic and one more of a comedy. Um, and then for, uh, for the Green Hornet, uh, I mentioned it before, but I think, uh, for that one, I'm going to recommend, uh, just Mystery Men. (laughs) Uh, do you even like Michelle Gondry, really? Uh, I liked him a lot more when I was in my twenties, um, I'm not even human nature, I guess, is the one I like the most. Really? Because I do like uh, Eternal, whatever, Eternal Sunshine. I do like that movie. And it, because it it is a weird sci fi movie that feels very lived in, and it's an aesthetic that I like in sci fi movies. Yeah. It's a good movie. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched it in a long time. But, Uh. yeah. Well, very cool. Um, I think we should wrap this up. Uh, I got dinner waiting. Uh, oh, yeah. My dog is going nuts. The neighbor dogs. That's a little aside <laughs> side plot that will be going on continuously through the run of this podcast is that my dog and the neighbor dogs are not friends. Uh, Randy, but, uh, any, anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Yeah, my band Chat Piles got a record coming out on Reptilian. Probably will be out when this comes out. And uh, I can be found at Reagan Bush, Reagan Bush, like the beer, um, Instagram, Letterbox, Twitter. I'm out there. Cool. Uh, I'm also available on those uh, on Instagram and Letterbox as well as the show. Um, you can find all that info in the show notes for, for all uh, for Randy and I and the show. Um, as well as links to where to buy the, the new vinyl release from Chatpile and their band camp. Uh, also, I got talkies every other Friday. Uh, that's a Zoom show right now. And then once it resumes uh, a live show, we'll still be doing, I think, the second show on Zoom. We're going to try that out. But uh, check out my Instagram. You can get more info about that, all the other shows that I do as well that come out every week. So, uh, Randy, until next week. See you later. Very good, Governor. (laughs) (laughs) All right, see you next week. (laughs) 